Welcome to Discover Library and Archives Canada. Your history, your documentary heritage. I'm your host, Jessica Ouvrard. Join us as we showcase treasures from our vaults, guide you through our many services, and introduce you to the people who acquire, safeguard, and make known Canada's documentary heritage. Have you ever wondered what goes on behind the scenes in preparation for an exhibition at the National Gallery of Canada? Since 2013, as part of an ongoing partnership between Library and Archives Canada and the National Gallery, items from our collection are being exhibited on the walls of the National Gallery. In this episode, we speak to Library and Archives Canada curator Jennifer Roger and head conservator of photographic materials Tanya Pasafiume about the work that went into the latest collaboration, which features 15 rare daguerreotypes dating back to the very beginnings of photography. Louis-Jacques Mandé-Daguerre introduced the daguerreotype to the world in 1839. As it was the first publicly announced photographic process, one can only imagine the excitement generated by the news of this new technique that could capture the world in full detail as we see it. Although many photographic processes emerged at the time, few delivered an image with such depth and clarity. These finely polished silver-plated daguerreotypes were often hand-colored and housed in decorative cases, making them a sight to behold. To this day, many dedicated photographers choose the daguerreotype as their format of choice, despite the many difficulties involved in producing them. If you're interested in viewing images associated with this podcast, including many of the items featured in this exhibition and a behind-the-scenes look at the conservation work involved, you can follow along by viewing our Flickr gallery. You can access a direct link at bac-lac.gc.ca slash podcasts. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, Tanya. Thank you for joining us today. I understand that Library and Archives Canada has established a partnership with the National Gallery of Canada to exhibit items from our collection on their walls. Can you tell us how that partnership came about, Jennifer? Sure. Uh, Library and Archives is always looking for ways to share our collection with the public. And a great way to do this um, is by finding partnering institutions that might want to contribute to interpretation, uh, either through their own storytelling or simply by providing a venue through which we can uh, reach a wider audience. In the case of the National Gallery of Canada, we're thrilled to partner with such an important uh, venue. And it's pretty exciting to be able to share the uh, Library and Archives collection material with uh, the NGC audience. What are some of the exhibitions that we've put up to date? Uh, so the next exhibition will be the sixth in this partnership series. Uh, Library and Archives and the NGC have taken turns curating these shows. And there's been a wide range of topics, um, including images from the Arctic at the turn of the 20th century, uh, 19th, uh, 19th century exploration photography, uh, early photographs of Newfoundland, 19th century panoramas of cities in Canada, and the current exhibition, which features 19th century travel photography from Canada. Uh, we're really looking forward to the next show, which will be titled Mirrors with Memory. And it'll feature daguerreotypes, which is the earliest publicly available photographic process. Uh, these um, daguerreotype exhibitions are extremely rare. And this will be the first prominent exhibition of these 19th century objects in what we feel is Canadian history. Oh, so. I imagine, though, that not too many people are familiar with the term daguerreotype. Can you explain to us what a daguerreotype is, Tanya? Well, a daguerreotype is a, um, 
It's a piece of um, copper that's plated uh, with silver. And um, it's a, it was actually one of the very first photographic processes that they would use in camera. It's a direct positive process, so there's no negative. And the word daguerreotype is a strange name, at least for us. And it's actually a, the name of um, one of the inventors, Monsieur Daguerre. Okay. Jennifer, can you tell us what's included in the exhibition? Sure, we've selected uh, 15 objects to showcase. Mm -hmm. uh, the daguerreotypes people will be able to see include portraits of known and unknown sitters, as well as a couple of street and landscape scenes. Almost all of the objects are from the 19th century, but we've included one example of a contemporary uh, daguerreotype, as this process is still being used today by a small number of photographic artists. Uh, also in the gallery, there'll be a beautiful example of an original daguerreotype camera. Okay. And um, what was the criteria for this selection? Of so the overall, we selected what we felt were some of the best examples of the collection's daguerreotypes, um, which show the various ways and formats in which the process was used. We wanted objects that were in good condition, as deterioration is common um, with this process and can make viewing difficult if the deterioration is advanced. Uh, we selected images of people we felt had interesting stories okay. or images that depicted an interesting event in Canadian history. Uh, we also selected a locket as it really, to me, conveys how personal daguerreotypes were, how these one-of-a-kind objects were carried, looked at, and treasured. Okay. What are some of your favorite items in the show? Either of you. I have three favorites. Uh, they're all of w uh, images of women. The first one, I would say, is um, um, unidentified women with a um, First Nations um, ribbon and a shawl. And what I liked about uh, this image is um, uh, the hand coloring is very subtle. The, the scarf is green. The jewelry is hand colored in gold. And her arm is resting on a... Um, little um, side table a side table thank you <laughs> and uh, and just her face is just so calm and relaxed and uh, very very uh, beautiful uh, the the second one is kind of fun I thought and uh, her name is uh, Kate McDougall and uh, I really liked uh, this daguerreotype because her face uh, just gives this attitude, you know, I'm so done with this daguerreotype, I'm so done with this. So I, I really liked it. I love the polka dot dress off the shoulders. Again, her hand is resting on this side table and in her hand, and um, I'm really lucky to be able to look at these uh, through the microscope because I get to see little details that you don't usually get to see. And in her hand that she's on, she's resting, you can see that she's holding some kind of card, a mm. little card. It's a calling card, it's something. It's very curious to me what is in her hand. Um, and also she's wearing this beautiful um, locket. And when uh, Jennifer and I looked under the microscope, we were really you know, curious about what this image was. Remember Jennifer? And um, so we looked at the microscope, and it, it really wasn't anything. It was like mm -hmm. this marble. I thought it was a bird or something. It's hard to make out. It's yeah. very hard to make out. Even mm -hmm. in the microscope, it was difficult to make out. And that, of course, segues to my final piece I really liked of the, the three young ladies. And again, under the microscope, I mean, even without the microscope, you can see their cheeks are slightly uh, tinted. They have these beautiful red uh, ribbons around the necks. And one of them has, if you look closely, and, and under the microscope you can see it really well, uh, it's a locket on, on, her, on, her, on her neck, I guess it is. And it's, a, it's an angel trumpeting. It's really beautiful. But it's so subtle, you can only really see it under the microscope. Mm -hmm. So that's why I kind of like those, because it's kind of these hidden... The hidden beauty the of hidden these little details. details. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, it's so hard to choose favorites. They're all so amazing. I'm also really drawn to a few specific ones. Um, I love the portrait known as the Carpenter in Canada. Uh, this one dates from around 1850 and features a hand-tinted portrait of a man holding a hammer. Um, this daguerreotype belonged to Lord Elgin, who was the Governor General of British North America from 1847 to 1854, and the man in the portrait worked as his carpenter while he lived in Quebec City. Um, I also love the group portrait of nine men who were the merchants, businessmen, and civic leaders of Yarmouth, Nova Scotia in the 19th century. Mm, yeah. yeah, this one's so great. It, and group portraits in daguerreotype um, format are not as common. And this object is extra special because it still has an original manuscript hidden inside in the back of the case that lists the names of all the guys in the portraits, the location, and the name of the photographer. Um, it's from 1855, and it always amazes me when objects of this age are in such good condition mm -hmm. still. And when you think of all the hands that have held this object, um, that this little handwritten note also survived all these years. I, I just want to say about the carpenter uh, daguerreotype, I mean, under the microscope again, I mean, he has this beautiful jacket on, yeah. and you don't really see it with the naked eye, mm -hmm. but it's actually like of a purpley color. Yeah. It's really beautiful, yeah. and uh, I thought that was really special. And the group of the the, the men, they were interesting, and I, as a conservator, I found uh, that they had been previously treated here. And so I, when I see that plate, I think, oh, this is really weird. Something strange about this plate. Mm -hmm. But that's just from my, from, from seeing so many daguerreotypes and saying that one's odd, and then finding in the archives here, in the conservation archives, that it had been treated, and um, it has been kind of altered a bit. But it is a beautiful piece. Yeah, they're all gorgeous. Yeah. Interesting to see the history and the, the, the fact that you would catch that it had been worked on before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of treatment, were any of the items in need of treatment? Oh, a, a lot were in need of treatment. Um, there was a lot of problem with glass deterioration. Uh, there was mold, and again, there was tarnish. Uh, because they are uh, silver plated, they do tarnish mm -hmm. they, uh, when they get uh, in contact with air. So what sort of treatments does For this show, for these particular daguerreotypes, uh, I, um, I clean the glass. If There's different types of uh, glass deterioration, and one uh, step is they just kind of uh, get a cloudy look to them. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, if the glass was just easily cleaned, I cleaned it and reused the original glass. I like to keep the original um, parts. If not, um, as in the Kate, Kate uh, McDougall, which is amazing, uh, had weeping glass, so it was kind of like um, it's alkaline dripping off uh, the glass, hmm. and it can drip onto the, the plate. The problem with this is the alkaline can rest on the plate and can have a problem on the plate, I mean the plate being the daguerreotype. And uh, the only solution to fix that is actually to do an aqueous solution. Um, but luckily she, it wasn't, she didn't have that problem, it was still in the, in the glass and uh, I didn't have to do an aqueous solution for that. But I replaced the plate with a borosilic glass. Okay. Uh, the other ones that were unsealed, I um, resealed them with modern uh, conservation materials. Um, and this prevents air from touching right, them, is right. that it? I should have gone back to that. So yeah. the daguerreotype is made out of many things. And so you have a, a plate that has a copper plate that has been either uh, plated or dipped into silver. And um, and that, when it's ready, uh, they they put it in an iodine uh, vapor box and they have va vaporize it, I guess, <laughs> and uh, with the iodine, so it gets sensitive. And then they take it out and they put that in the camera. Okay. Um, and then they expose it. And then when they take it out, it's a latent image, so you cannot see the image. And then you put it in um, mercury vapor, uh, and then the image appears. Okay. 
and then you go into uh, fixing and, 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 and you, you gild it with gold. Uh, but because of the silver, it tarnishes just like other silver um, right. objects. So they knew, Daguerre back then knew this was a problem. And so they would seal them with these paper tapes. And what they would seal them with, so you'd have the bare plate on top of that, uh, a brass mat on top of that, a glass. And then it would be all sealed together. And then a, a, another brass preserver, kind of this pinch thing would keep it all together and they would be put in cases. Okay. And, um, but I mean, they're quite old by now and it's quite rare to find uh, daguerreotypes that have original sealing. Okay. And these particular 15 did not have original sealing tape or had none. They had already been removed or they were deteriorated. So it was really important uh, for me to um, reseal them uh, so that they, they don't tarnish anymore. Okay. There was also mold on some of them and um, mold, uh, a lot of people think that's surprising to find mold on daguerreotypes, but there were a lot of mold. Um, and there's, it's, it's not, I mean, if, if, the, if the plates were not hand colored, I, uh, I would uh, do aqueous treatments to them, but because they're hand colored, I would not do aqueous treatments to them. So it just happened the ones that have mold on it were all hand colored. And so how I treated those uh, was um, I, I took a paintbrush and I cut it, uh, the hairs to maybe one or two hairs left. It was very little. And I tried to, uh, under a microscope, I have to say, kind of flick it off with um, a hurricane blower. Um, but it was very um, unsatisfactory treatment. The mold seemed to really be on there. So you will see yeah. mold on some of them, little hairs. Yeah. And uh, they're kind of stuck on there now. Did you have any other interesting discoveries while you were treating them? Oh, yeah. Um, when I start opening them, that's where you get all the nice surprises. And uh, for example, I saw some plate marks. And so plate marks are usually behind the brass mats, or usually at the corners or the edges. And uh, it's, it's usually sim different symbols, and um, usually with the number 40 with it. And it's, it's the person who made the plate, not the photographer, okay. but the person who made the plate. And they've dated all these plate marks, and they can go back. Uh, and many of these were made in, in France, the plates, if they were at plate marks on them. And uh, so that's kind of nice for... Um, aging because you can kind of t guess the age as well if you don't really know in a way they say For the, oh, all those undated yeah undated kind of pieces you can say oh that that plate was used mainly in, in this period so yeah. it's kind of an added little bonus yeah um and also i found a fingerprint which was really really fun and that was hidden behind um the Molson fire, mm -hmm. is that right? Yeah. And uh, you really, you cannot see it, unfortunately, uh, because uh, the brass mat is there. But ab above the, the stacks on the upper left corner, there's a little fingerprint. And, uh, you know, I think that would be the photographer's fingerprint or right. his assistant. So it's kind of a, a nice little find. Yeah. The human touch. The human yeah. touch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can you tell us a bit more about... Um, the collection, the daguerreotype collection here, and how many items does it include? In the uh, Library and Archives collection, there's about 260 objects. It's made up mo uh, mainly of portraits. Uh, there are some interesting Canadian personalities in there, including Sir Johnny MacDonald, uh, Archibald MacDonald, who was the chief factor of the Hudson's Bay Company, uh, Louis-Joseph Papineau, and uh, Ojibwe chief Mongodoust. Um, so that one's from about 1846. And to, to us, it's important because it's not only a beautiful uh, portrait, but it's the earliest known portrait of an Aboriginal person in the Library and Archives collection. 
Um, the Sir Johnny MacDonald one is, of course, really special, um, not only, though, because it's a portrait of a former prime minister, but the object itself is pretty neat. Mm -hmm. um, the locket contains multiple portraits, actually. So there's Sir Johnny in there, but there's also his former wife, Isabella, and his son, his first son. So those are all, there's three daguerreotypes in that little locket, which are beautiful. Um, to me, the image of the ruins of Molson Brewery, the, the um, object that Tanya found the fingerprint on, is also pretty great. Um, so that was taken in 1858. And to me, to have an event like that captured in a daguerreotype is, is pretty lucky. Um, yeah, because there, there wouldn't have been so many landscapes or exactly. images they're, of they're, architecture. Exactly. They're much harder to find. Yeah. And just to have such a prominent event yeah. captured on this sort of one-of-a-kind mm -hmm. object yeah. is pretty special. Um, I'd also have to include the daguerreotype known as, or as the St. John Baptiste Day in there in the highlight list. This is a gorgeous hand-tinted image. It shows four boys dressed in costume that represent the various personalities uh, that convey the relationship between France and New France. Um, the man who commissioned, commissioned this image uh, was a Montreal tailor, and he's also present in the portrait. Um, what's so interesting about this object, though, aside from the beautiful quality and the detail, is that we know so much about it. We know a lot about its story, why it was commissioned, um, and its provenance. We yeah. know that it was um, commissioned to celebrate uh, Quebec's Fête Nationale and was presented to a ship's captain whose uh, ship arrived in Quebec City on Bastille Day in 1855. On so, Bastille Day or Saint-Jean-Baptiste Day? On, on Bastille Day. Okay. Mm -hmm. So um, the captain was to bring the daguerreotype back to France okay. to present to French royalty. Um, and then it was actually returned to Canada ultimately in 1984 by a descendant of the ship's captain. So it's kind of interesting to have so the whole... So it went over, came yeah, back. Yeah, and came and, back. Yeah. So it's kind of neat to have that whole story here. Yeah. And the coloring is just so yeah. superb oh, yeah. under the microscope mm -hmm. again. I mean, the colors, the yellow, you can actually see the brush strokes and yeah. uh, the detail in the red. It's, mm -hmm. it's such a very, very colorful daguerreotype. It's quite, quite unusual. Yeah. It's a beautiful piece. Yeah. yeah. So do we know how, how did LAC acquire all of these daguerreotypes? So it's made up of a combination of both purchases and donations. Um, in some cases, the objects were part of a larger fond or personal collection, um, but most arrived at library and archives because they helped to tell the story of Canada in some way, yeah. um, and the people have been part of its history. Okay. Um, can people consult the collection? Oh yeah, absolutely. So everything's accessible by researchers. Um, because of the fragility of these objects, they've got to remain at the uh, Preservation Centre in Gatineau. But like with the rest of the LAC uh, collection, researchers, researchers are invited to make uh, consult consultation appointments and they can come and view everything that they'd like to at our research facility. And I presume that Tanya is standing right beside them. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, I wish. <laughs> I wish I had time to see all of them. <laughs> um, do people, you sort of mentioned that there was contemporary daguerreotype photographers. So how common is this and who are they? Um, it, actually, it's pretty common nowadays. Um, uh, there's this, uh, several in Canada uh, who do it and all over the world. I'm sure, I know every country has their own uh, daguerreotypist. <laughs> um, uh, but I think the biggest drawback uh, for people who wanting to do this is back when they were when they were first started I mean you could buy equipment you could buy the um, the camera the book uh, the plates already prepared and all even the um, 
the mercury and the um, iodine vapor units. And now, I mean, um, and you can buy, of, of course, uh, the cases. Uh, for this exhibition, there's no cases being shown, only one, but they're all common cases. And so it was all kind of prefab, and people don't, don't really realize that, but you could just buy it already prefab. And now, um, you can't. Yeah. So the, you, people do make them. People do sell like the vapor uh, kits, and um, people, you know, find uh, their plates and they have to um, get them prepared. And people do recreate uh, also the cases nowadays. Okay. Um, it's it's uh, and a lot of artists are are doing a lot of contemporary work, and they're beautiful, beautiful pieces. It sounds so uh, so toxic, you know, like well, a mercury yeah, bath, mercury, mercury vapor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've done it in in controlled environments, yeah. uh, not here, uh, but in other areas under supervision. But it was. Um, it, I think that's one people. That's one thing that people don't like about it. Yeah. Um, there is another technique uh, to. Uh, they can use the Becquerel method, which you don't use the vapor, okay. uh, the mercury use this kind of, um, you just use tinted glass. And it was also, Monsieur Becquerel inv invented it just after 1840, just recent, right after yeah. daguerreotypes yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of became uh, known. So, uh, and it's really uh, uh, hard to determine which one was um, used, either right. the mercury or the Becquerel. So it's actually equivalent. But okay. uh, I think a lot of the daguerreotypists now, daguerreotypists, I even know how to say that. <laughs> Um, they, they're true. They want the mercury, yes. you know, they want to go all the way. If you're going to be historical. Yeah, you might as well go <laughs> all the way. Yeah. So in, and I do respect that. I know someone who, um, runs around and it's, he has it, uh, hooked up to the back of his pickup truck, the mercury. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's kind of fun because then he can go anywhere and right. do this. Cause it's quite the stuff. You need a dark room, you need all this gear and who wants like mercury vapor in their building? It's, it's nobody, it's nobody. Yeah. So that's why they're also rare because they also are, are one of a kind. So yeah. they are quite rare. And, and like I said, it, it, they, they do look different. The contemporary ones, they do have a different quality to them, but it's probably the quality of the um, the plate itself. Yeah. Um, and uh, and of course the age. You know, by then, you know, the new ones you just see they're not they're not tarnished. They don't have they don't they're not worn. Looking yeah. at the cases. Yeah. And... It's really interesting to think of LAC material. You know, like archival material being considered as a work of art. Um, why do you think that is? I, I just want to say, I find it very interesting um, because we are, there, we have a lot of fine art pieces here and we have a lot of archival pieces here. Um, but with these exhibitions at National Gallery of Canada, we've had uh, curators from National Gallery of Canada come and curate the shows and our internal curators. And as a conservator, I find it very interesting because I'm preparing the objects for the exhibitions putting them in their mats, discussing with the curators how they want the look to be, um, how they want the exhibition to be look like. But what I find interesting is the when the, uh, when the uh, curators from National Gallery come, they choose things. They always want things uh, to show all the edges of the pieces. Uh -huh. right? They want to show all the corners of the objects, all the mounts. And as a conservator, I'm like, oh, it's just... It's just you know they're they're messy. They're they're it's not nice. You yeah. know it needs a lot of treatment, and we're not going to treat them. Where at, and so they're showing it as an archival document right. on their walls. But when our curators show work, they're hiding all the mounts. Right. And they're going right up to the image, and they're showing it more of a fine art 
piece. I just find that so there's a different perspective. Just going as a on conservative, here. Yeah. just my point of view. I just find that fascinating. This little dynamics that's going on. But okay. you know, Jennifer, you have something else as a curator. Oh yeah, I was just going to say that I think um, the line between fine art and archival items, um, especially when it comes to photography, has really become a gray area. Yeah. Um, a lot of the photographic objects in the LAC collection are classified as archival or documentary objects, but um, documentary photography is now understood to be fine art in yeah. most art collections of the world. Um, so some curatorial study now discusses the work of many daguerreotypists as not being simply straight up studio portraiture, but as having been influenced by, um, you know, composition, style, and artistry um, found in paintings of the same era. Yeah. Um, so photography is still often seen as truthful representation of a person or a scene, but you know, despite what we know about image and camera manipulation. So those issues were still going on um, uh, in older photographic processes as well. Um, so there's, there's a lot more to these objects than one might assume. Yeah. Um, and I think, to me, documentary photography, it freezes these moments in time for us, and it tells us how people thought about and, you know, received and understood the world back then, just as any other fine art object might. So, um, yeah, to me, it's just a gray area. There's mm -hmm. not really... Yeah. yeah, to me it fits in any in any venue. Mirrors with Memory, Daguerreotypes from Library and Archives Canada, is on view at the National Gallery of Canada until February 28, 2016. You can find out more about the exhibition at gallery.ca. Don't forget to have a look at our Flickr album, which includes many of the daguerreotypes from this exhibition, and a behind-the-scenes account of the preparation that went into the show. Check out our blog, thediscoverblog.com, for more photo-related content. You can find the content quickly by selecting Photography from the category list on the right side of the webpage. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Jessica Ouvrard, and you've been listening to Discover Library and Archives Canada, where Canadian history, literature, and culture await you. A special thanks to our guests today, Jennifer Roger and Tanya Passafiumi. For more information about our podcast, or if you have questions, comments, or suggestions, please visit us at bac-lac.gc.ca slash podcasts.